Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and to me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. I'm wondering, what in the heck? You're already being silly. I know. I said, so um, today we're going to talk about are we really ready for electric cars? I was born ready. Or second title is how are we going to stuff 100 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound bag? Well, there you go. I All didn't right. even think about it that way. I know. So so pretty much, I guess I want to back up just a little bit because the idea, anytime you question something like this, are we ready for electric vehicles? I think some people... Um, you know, all of a sudden get this kind of knee-jerk reaction. Ooh, you know, you're against electric vehicles. Uh, you shouldn't criticize like that. And and that's not the case. I think electric vehicles are great. You know, they have a lot of advantages. They, you know, they have great pickup, great power. Right. But here's the thing. This is not about one level. It isn't just like this one issue. Are we emotionally ready? Are we, (laughs) are we physically ready? Are we politically ready? Okay. I'm laying the foundation right now. Okay. All right. Laying the foundation, basically saying electric vehicles have a lot of advantages. They have great acceleration. They're cleaner. They're cheaper. Cleaner meaning. Cleaning. They don't pollute the environment. In fact, you know, the studies show that about 27% of all of the greenhouse gases come from transportation. You know, they're emitted from vehicles. Right. So, so what we're in the process of doing is transitioning from a fossil fuel-based transportation system to a electric system, right. a battery-based. But, but let me ask this question. So mm-hmm. they they don't pollute once they're built. Yeah. But then what what goes into that? Oh, let's not talk about who killed who. <laughs> I well, mean, that's, no. that's important because are we ready? Is the earth ready for what it takes to produce that electric okay. vehicle? So, so there are some other issues there that you're sort of touching on. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the steel, of course, well, steel is the main compu- yeah, component the or, or yeah, the batteries, the, the lithium, the lithium is going to be a major problem. Didn't it's they just be, discover a bunch of lithium in Norway or Sweden or someplace mm, like that? Yeah. You know, I guess it, I it, there's plenty did. of lithium. The problem has been traditionally how it's mined, um, in a lot of the arid countries. Um, of course what they do, lithium is a salt. So the way they mine it is they pump water down into the ground and basically bubble this stuff up. They dissolve the salt into this water. Then they raise it up to the surface of the earth, put it in these uh, holding ponds and let the water evaporate. Then they they harvest the salt that's, that's like left over. like they do sea salt. Yeah, but that's a lot of water. And if you're in a country like um, Bolivia, you know, a significant portion of the water from that nation is used to mine lithium. So right. so that's not a sustainable practice. But I think we need to think in terms of that lithium is a bridge technology here. Um, you know, it's only really been popular or used that much in the last 10 years. You know, realistically, does it have another 10 years in it before it's replaced by something else? That's, something more that's, sustainable. Yeah, there, better, there are some kinder. sea salts, sea salts that are available that could be used. Maybe other technologies altogether. And I'm hopeful because I do think that there's money going into research and development at a greater pace than there has been. And that, to me, is one of the questions when you ask, are we ready for electric vehicles? Well, are we ready in terms of our research and development? Because if we get ahead of ourselves, 
we're basically, as they say, shooting ourselves in the foot because well, we can't we can't match what's coming. And some of the things that I'm going to be questioning here, I, I could have asked this in the 1970s: Are we ready for computers? You know, the answer is no, but we will be. You know, as these things develop, as these things evolve, clever people come up with solutions because. They want it, to make money. Well, and it's going to happen. This is going right. to a happen. Natural, it's a natural progression, except right. I think electric vehicles are not exactly the same as computers. Well, yeah, but it's a new technology that's going to transform everything. So that in, yeah. in that case, it is similar. Um, there are some additional advantages. Just it's a superior vehicle. I mean, those who have driven electric cars know. It's like a race car. I mean, oh, All, it's amazing. Even the hybrid is like a race car. And when that electric engine kicks off and the gasoline engine kicks in, you're like, whoa, what happened to the car? It just lags down. Right. And it's easier to build and it's easier to maintain. I, I saw an illustration when I was doing some research for this um, where the powertrain of a traditional gas-powered engine um, has about 1,200 parts that are part of that powertrain, the thing that moves it forward. Right. Um, with an electric vehicle, it has about 200 parts. So, so one sixth, the number of parts, which means easier to build, um, easier to maintain, you know, you're basically driving a computer with four, with batteries and four motors, you know, on the, on the, on the wheels. So it's, it's easy from that. It also provides us with some other advantages that internal combustion engines don't such as bi-directional charging so you can use this vehicle to back up the power of your home or your business or your right. community well, people aren't doing that very much but Not i know yet. in california their all new homes have that built into the new construction well as far as the batteries for for the homes yeah right um but but then you're also starting to see the development of what they call virtual power plants where companies are saying, okay, we want to take the combined power of these batteries and use it like it's a virtual power plant. So when the grid needs extra power during periods of peak demand, we can take this power, feed it back into the grid. And it's just like turning on a you know coal power plant, but you're just simply drawing from hundreds, thousands, you know, eventually millions of, of electric vehicles as the source of this temporary power. But the first thing that comes to mind to me, and I know I thought about this before, whenever I hear this, is where does all that infrastructure come from? So right now, just let me give an example. Mm -hmm. Right now, uh, our office is there is no charging station. We have yet to put in the array and and create that. So you walk two blocks, you take the car down to the library, you walk two blocks back. To one of three charging stations yeah, in our town. Which, which are full and you end up going and coming back and going and coming back. So, and then the other part of that for me is that, you know, where's all that electricity going to come from that's right. going to charge those batteries? Well, that's some of what we're going to touch on. But first I want to, again, sort of get to the foundation of, of where we are, what's happening with this electric vehicle. And then we'll get to all of the challenges. We won't say problems, they're challenges for, for well, our world, our society. opportunity, but Show. I just don't get how it's going to happen. Well, it's right. not going to happen in a traditional way. So Right. So, so when we talk about, okay, there's clearly these advantages um, to having an electrified fleet. So, um, and in fact, most of the automobile 
uh, companies have announced that they're moving to a completely electric vehicle fleet. Some of them have announced as early as 2030. Uh, there'll be 2035. There's 2040 is kind of the, the furthest out that these companies. So essentially every vehicle manufacturer General Motors, um, some of the luxury ones are going there first. I saw like Jaguar and Lexus and and Lotus and all these other companies that you're never going to be able to afford, but they're all going to All cars are first. expensive, even used ones now. But General Motors is going by 2035, which is, is pretty dramatic. I mean, basically you're saying, okay, we've been doing this thing for 100 years this way. Now we're going to do it completely different. Right. Well, the handwriting's on the wall, so they're just following the masses. Mm -hmm. we, we don't see, we can't see that yet, but that's absolutely why. Well, and and of course, the um, the federal government is responding to this with, with a number of measures that, again, I can't overstress how big this project is. And the, the thing that is equivalent, what the government is doing with the electric grid, and they've done this in the last two years, really, is they've set up the funding to completely redo the, the transmission system. That's the high voltage wires that are going across the, the country. They're incentivizing through the Infrastructure Act that was passed and also through the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which is often referred to as the IRA. Um, that is massively incentivizing a transition to renewable energy from a With from a generation yes. from a generation standpoint. Mm -hmm. So you're basically it's like building the interstate highway system. But this is know, what they're doing. If we pull back and just look at the government. And, and what they've been doing with this, one of the things is converting the military. And so even on military bases, they have solar as backup. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing all kinds of things out in the field, as they say. It's all solar now. Well, and I even read an um, uh, article about they're creating electric tanks. You know, with, I, so man, if, imagine what it would take. That's so. Then that brings me back to where's all that energy coming from? Well, I mean, right now, what kind like, of a massive array would it take to be well, able to charge one tank? Yeah, but right now they require like the Abrams. We're hearing this with with the Ukraine. It takes jet fuel to run this these um, these um, uh, tanks. You know, jet so fuel. so you're wow. it's it's really going to be moving towards electrification. But that really gets to the point where people say, nah, electric cars, they don't have enough power. Well, they do. Oh, they yeah, really they're do. fantastic. So a couple other things. Well, with California, California has announced a ban on the sale of all new electric vehicles by 2035. So as California goes, so goes, so the, goes nation. the nation. <laughs> and, and especially with vehicles. So they're basically saying, okay, the hard stop date is 2035. So that there's no, there's no, uh, it's not a coincidence that General Motors said we're going to a fully yeah, but electric But I do fleet. think there was some pushback there. I remember uh, the governor having some pushback about that. I, I think we can expect that. Oh, there's always going to be that, especially when we start running into problems, which will highlight. You said challenges. Yeah. In, in the second <laughs> half of, of this, but, um, but I wanted to get back to some of the other new incentives, like the Inflation Reduction Act now has uh, rebates or, or tax credits for the purchase of electric vehicles. In fact, what they put in place is a $7,500 tax credit 
if you purchase a brand new electric vehicle. Now that's the good news. The bad news is there are some stipulations. So one I of the, I don't think that's bad news. Well, and it's not bad news, but it is bad news if you want to take advantage of it right now, because none of the electric vehicles available on the market qualify for this rebate uh, or this tax credit, because half of the tax credit says all of the battery components have to be manufactured and assembled in North America. Well, that's a great thing, though. Yeah, that's but, a motivator for industry. But right now, 90% of all of the batteries are manufactured in China, Japan, and Korea. Yeah. So we have to create this infrastructure, and that's beginning to happen. But it doesn't just happen just because you, you know, turn a light switch on. So we're seeing a lot of these battery manufacturers beginning. But the second part, don't interrupt yet. Second part is that the minerals used in this have to be mined in America mm -hmm. to qualify for the other half. So what they're trying to get away from is some of these extraction economy mm -hmm. Don't issues. Don't they have to also pay living wage, which is basically union? Well, there's some other, that has to do with the um, in, uh, installation of renewable. So, so all of that, and then there's some other, you know, household income yeah. limitations. But I, I just want to say that one of the things I've been, uh, participating in on the periphery anyway is uh, something called reimagine Appalachia. And, and that is one of the things there's a lot of conversation about is the retooling of fossil fuel facilities and other big factories towards it's mostly going towards renewable energy, like batteries and things like that. So that is that trickle down, which we always heard, you know, and all the Republicans talking about, you know, trickle down effect, which never really happened mm -hmm. except for the rich. But, but this is going to happen for communities. It's going to create amazing jobs, well, that's, real jobs. That's one of the cornerstones of the IRA, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, is they're taking this policy, they're taking the government money, and they're starting to say, okay, we're going to add these incentives if it's done in low-income areas, if it's done in traditionally fossil fuel areas, right. if you're developing these systems in, in brown uh, sites where, where they've been Ground polluted. Uh -huh. So, so that's, that's taking the policy and trying to now socially engineer around that, which is from my perspective, all good. And well, the other thing it's doing is beginning to rebuild the middle class. And that's what I think has to happen if we're going to sustain our democracy. Okay. Well, you are listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. So it's the end of the transportation industry as we know it. So um, we've, we've touched a little bit on here that there's the, the tax credits for, for the EVs extend to used vehicles. The, there's a lot of stipulations around there, but you can get as much as $4,000 there. And then there's also tax credits for charging stations in that legislation um, so, so there's a lot of incentives going on there. Currently, electric vehicles only, as of 2022, uh, made up about five to six percent of all of the sales of that's new vehicles. Still a lot of cars in the U.S. Yeah, but that's still a, it is a, a lot. lot. It, uh -huh. And if you look back two years ago, it was one percent. Right. You know, so it's growing. Globally, it's at about thirteen percent. Wow. And when you look at countries like China, they've mandated 
that by 2030, 40% of all new vehicles have to be electric. So all these countries are moving in this direction. But you know, we're so far behind. I was in France, uh, in Paris, uh, I think 10 years ago now, and I was amazed. All the taxi drivers were driving hybrid Prius. There were all these charging stations for little motorbikes and mm -hmm. these little, um, like, what do you call that? Like a scooter a scooter yeah and they were everywhere and you could leave it at the next station but it was sure. all electric and yeah. this is a decade ago well it helps when gas costs 12 dollars a gallon right well, somebody's <laughs> got to pay for it well right. they have you know you pay tax there and you get something for okay it. so we're talking about some of the incentives we're talking about the good things about electric vehicles now let's talk about are we ready for this because there's some very fundamental engineering issues that you've got to deal with in order to recharge these vehicles. Now, one thing we're going to have to change as a society, and of course, people don't like to change behaviors, but we've gotten into this mode of run down to the corner gas station or stop at your truck stop or whatever along the interstate, spend 10 minutes refueling your vehicle, and then you're on your way again for the next couple hundred miles. Well, Electric vehicles do not easily fall into that model of behavior. So, the meaning that you can't just charge it in five minutes, it's going to take yeah, a lot it's going longer. To take a while. But, yeah. you know, one of the things we did talk about was the idea that um, because we know this is going to be a problem, not just that you can't recharge, but the infrastructure that's going to be required for you to be able to recharge is going to have to look different. Right. But, but here's the thing. One of the things we talked about was the fact that people would switch out batteries. Yeah, that's not a very practical. Well, um, at some point it might be. No, because you've got so many different, uh, the battery is integrated into the vehicle. I mean, if you look at our, our Prius, the whole undercarriage, it's 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 no, the I know. battery. But, so it's not going to swap poo -poo out. Any, no, any this, they've looked at this in Israel. It's just not going to be practical. All of the manufacturers would have to cooperate with with interchangeable batteries. Now they can't be standardization. Even, they can't even cooperate on the plug design I to know, recharge I, I these know. things. Okay, just so, throw that out. All right, let out. me move on. All let me right. move on because all we right. have to change these behaviors. But let's look at. Uh, so most of your refueling is going to take place at your home or at your place of work. All right, then because we only travel long distances along the interstate infrequently, you know, how many people travel 400 miles a day kind of thing. Most of our, most of our behavior is, is localized. So we can deal with that for 95, 98% as far as uh, vehicles that people use other than those people who are in the transportation industry, like long haul truckers and things like that. That's going to require a whole different, different issue. But, so at the residential level, what are some of the issues? Well, um, you know, we've been hyping up the um, the Ford Lightning, the Ford F-150 EV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, seems like a great vehicle. It can go, you know, a number of days. Uh, you know, it goes, what, 400 miles, three, 250 right. miles. can run your house for how many? Three, three or four days. days. Uh -huh. Yeah. But the charging station that they use requires 80 amps of power. Ouch. Now, now a typical home in the 1950s only had 60 amp service. Then in the decades following, you had 100 amp service. Now today, new homes have 200 amp service as standard. 
But what if you then start plugging in these 80 amp appliances, essentially, and and now let's say you got two of them in your garage, is is 400 amp service for a residential home going to become the standard? Because while the transportation industry is changing, so is everything else. We're electrifying everything. We're moving away from gas heat, gas stoves, moving towards electric. So the demands of the local infrastructure are going to be huge. And what happens when everybody comes home from work? They all want to charge their cars all at, at the same time. Or, and, and are you going to crash the grid? So then you've got to have intelligent charging systems that say, does the grid have enough capacity? If not, I'm going to wait or, to you, charge. or you need your employer to step up to the plate and create the infrastructure for you to charge your well, car. All day. And are they going to give it to you for free or are they going to charge you for it? Well, and places I've worked in the past, I had to pay for my parking in their own, the parking garage sure. they own. So, so it's going to be another I think benefit. big cities, though, will transition to this a lot more easily because like even with your car, there's a mode like with a Prius that you can put in where it uses less energy because you're only going less than 25 sure. miles an hour you're regenerating that electricity well, there are that. The and there's a swedish company now that just announced a vehicle that has solar panels built into the to basically the paint of the vehicle so it's going to recharge just sitting yeah, in the I sun i think we'll see a lot more of that we will but this is a transition phase That's now right. now what about we're talking about plugging in when you get home well that assumes you've got a garage and a place to park well that's right what about street parking? Most people don't really have that. They yeah. What about apartments, apart apartment yeah. buildings? So, so a well, large you're just segment. out of luck. You can't have an electric vehicle. Yeah. You're going to walk or ride the bus and be a lowly. Running so. extension cords from your neighbors. <laughs> you right? can't do that with a with recharging the <laughs> oh, car. Oh, I bet you can. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to blow up everything. So that's going to be, that's going to be an issue. I mean, that's, that's a big issue and that's going to require the rewiring of the residential infrastructure. Then you get into the commercial. Let's say I run a convenience store and I want to put in a few electric vehicle charging stations. Well, the utilities have this nasty little thing called demand charges where they charge you based on the highest amount of power you draw for a 15 minute period during the month. And it can be significant, the additional costs. So let's say I just put in one charging station and one person charges a vehicle one time during the month, that might double my electric bill. So my electric bill might go from, say, $2,000 a month to $4,000 to charge wow. one vehicle. Well, that's problematic. And that has to do with just the way the utilities charge. And the utilities are trying to become a competitor for electric vehicle charging as well as for solar and, and distributed energy altogether. So we have to look at the fact that you're essentially going to the competition to get permission to hook up your system for one thing, which would be the equivalent of, let's say I want to open up a store and I got to go to Walmart to get my permit. You know, that's basically, yeah. they're going to throw some obstacles in the way, which they do. And then the second issue is their pricing structure is going to make it uneconomical for me to compete with them because they're not subject to their own pricing. They they no, can they do can. whatever they, they do want. Whatever they want. And they have that always done that. So that's gonna be a big issue. But here's the thing that I think is interesting. I I I 
I think that if we back up just for a minute and talk about how we're going to recharge those vehicles when we travel, and that is, I think it's going to bring back a new concept of shopping malls. So you're going to pull off the highway and not in a conventional place that we've done in the past, because most of the places you're going to pull off are in rural areas anyway. It has a big opportunity for rural areas. But anyway, we're going to pull off and then we have to kill maybe a half an hour if they get really good or, or an hour. Four hours, five hours. Well, if you right want. now. So so we're gonna have dinner and a show. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you're a trucker, you can take your shower and do all the stuff you did, you know, in a conventional uh truck stop. But you gotta have something to do with your time. So we're Americans, we'll shop, we'll watch a film. Uh, we'll, you know, sit in the coffee shop and do our work. So there's going to be this huge change in how we charge those cars or vehicles when we travel. I could see the emergence of, you know, we've seen these truck shops become large, you know, larger and yeah, larger. Really. They have restaurants, they have small grocery Lots stores. Lots of shopping Yeah, stuff. a bit of shopping. Why not begin to incorporate, um, you know, small cubicle um, sleeping areas, uh, where, where you have basically mini, I wouldn't want mini to do motel. that at a truck stop. I'm sorry. I don't have don't a know. really good opinion of what would go on I know, there, but, but you see there are that. a lot of people selling things that Dinner are show. human <laughs> selling things and, and sex trafficking and stuff. I, I think we're talking right. about something more upscale. Well, no, but what we're talking about is similar to what they have in Japan where you have just those little tiny cubicle things you can climb in. It's mostly for- the houses they live in, Jay. I know, but they have these little (laughs) mini hotel things for mostly drunk people coming home from karaoke Uh who can't get all the way home. Isn't that where you sent me the- video of you with your feet on no, one wall. No, that was a full size. That was a full and size And your hotel. head at the other side, and yeah. that's where you were sleeping. But I guess the point of all of this is to say that things don't always stay the way they are. Now, right, if right. we've got a situation where you go in to refuel as a trucker, or, or you've got your Ford F-150 and you want to fully recharge it, not just top it off for a half hour, and go on your way because you can charge a vehicle to about 80% Pretty in a quickly. very quick time. Mm-hmm. But why not then start to incorporate other things like sleeping opportunities? I mean, legitimate sleeping opportunities. <laughs> uh, we already have like showers in the truck stops yeah, and things like yeah. that. So, so that begins to evolve to where these things, but bear in mind that kind of need for charging is, is, it's real for truckers for sure, but it's for the, for the average person, they take one or two trips uh, a year, maybe, right, but they'll still need that, yeah, you know, so they're going there. on vacation, but it's know? the, it's not their main go-to it's, it's just when you're in that situation. But just to say that people will go there, people go to truck stops just to eat. Like they go to hospital to eat. I can't even imagine it, but they go to these places and they buy stuff and they're just stopping. They're not necessarily refueling. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity for consumption and capitalism loves that. There you go. Well, I guess I, uh, just to sort of sum up, there are some significant infrastructure issues that have to be addressed as we're fully transitioning. We have decades to do this. Um, you know, it's going to happen uh, Although slowly. we don't. We need, <laughs> we we need don't. one now. Our decades, our decades are <laughs> limited. Now. But yes. um, 
But anyway, um, the way, this is a massive infrastructure thing. It looks like the Biden administration specifically has has seen this vision and has put literally trillions of dollars into this process. So we're going to look back at this period of time, similar to what we look back at the Eisenhower administration and yeah. say, those guys built the interstate highway system. Well, this administration and hopefully the next will be building the new electrical system yeah. for well, the US. I'd like to say too that this administration is putting money into Appalachia and and reservation uh, places and it's great. Okay, well you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jane and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our Emmy Award winning producer Adam Rich and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us and as your grandmother hopefully told you the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess and eat your you can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockstation.com.